I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or in the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Welcome to Crossbridge. I'm Kevin, and I'm the lead pastor, and I'm excited to share with you again from the story. As you probably just figured out as you watched the video, we're taking a look at really just um, what many people, even if you have no background in church, you probably are aware of the Ten Commandments. Now, you may not know the whole story, and that's okay. Um, In fact, we still have these books available, and if you'd like one, uh, we would love for you to take one. So, um, But the Ten Commandments, a a great story. And I just want to remind you, as I have in previous weeks, um, that we're going to look at what God is doing, which we call the upper story. And then we're going to look at what the people are doing, which we call the lower story. And how oftentimes uh, down here on the lower story where we live, where the people live, and where we do day-to-day, everyday living, sometimes it's hard, the perspective is limited on what God is doing. And so, but I am, I am really excited to share with you. I saw a story, um, heard a story this week, and here, here's what I'll start with. It was, um, it was about a parent who uh, lost her patience with her daughter. And I think we've all been there, right? Where we've lost our patience with, with one of our kids. And, um, and she says, hey, that's it. You go over and sit down in that chair right now. Every one of you have done that who, who is a parent. And, um, and she says, mommy, um, after a little while, she was sitting in the corner. She said, mommy, um, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. And uh, I was thinking about that and I thought, oof. Like, you know, and that's the response of your kid. There, there are long days ahead, right? That's a long road ahead. It reminded me, though, too, of um, how often do we all do that, right? Um, I was working at a concession stand uh, several years ago, and, um, and I was volunteering as a dad at a, at a sporting event. And so I was working the concession stand, and there were um, a couple other kids that I knew that were, that were working that concession stand as well. And, and truthfully, I was getting bored. And I thought we needed to add a little fun into this concession stand environment. And so I began to play with these boys, um, came up with a game or two, and we were playing, and it got a little out of hand. And the next thing I knew, one of these boys was tackling me into the, this heater thing that held the pizzas. 
And and the moment they did, it was it was that moment which the light bulb came on for me, right? As everyone kind of turned and looked. In fact, the mom who was over this concession stand, man, she turned around and she looked at us and she scolded us. And and when I say scolded, I mean scolded. And and I I looked at the boys like, oh boys, you should have known better, right? Like she's scolding you. Inside, I knew she was not scolding the boys. She was scolding me. And uh, and inside, I smiled and was like, you know, inside, oof, you know, I, I was not happy about the whole situation. And um, even though I was in the wrong. But you know how that goes, right? There's often times that um, on the outside, we're conforming, but on the inside, we're struggling. You know, we can laugh at that kind of story, but most of us operate the same kind of way. Um, in fact, some of us struggle more than others when it comes to authority in our lives. It's in our nature, I believe, that we're just kind of born with this, where we struggle sometimes with authority. It's why many people even struggle with the idea of having a relationship with God and coming under his authority. In fact, I think the Ten Commandments, for some, they're, they're a really hard thing because it paints this picture of a God who is like this great law kind of God who hands down these laws on this metal, you know, these rock stone tablets. And um, and then we're supposed to like come under him and follow him. And, and he, a lot of us picture God as, as this cosmic judge who is looking down, just waiting for us to cross over the line when it comes to these commandments. I, I get it. Um, but here's what I want to tell you. That nothing could be further from the truth. I just don't think that's the picture that God wants us to have of him. In fact, I, as you listen today and you open your heart and mind, here's what I want you to hear because here's where we're going to end up. Spoiler alert right now, right? This story isn't about rules and really isn't about just laws. This story is about relationship. So before we go any further, I'm going to pray for us. Father, thank you that as we look through the Old Testament and we look at some of these stories right here in the beginning of the Bible, that God, you would continue to paint a picture of who you are, that we would understand, and that we would begin to grasp uh, the things that you want us to see. Help me as I communicate, help us to listen, and for it to connect with our hearts. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, God has freed the Israelites. Um, if it all goes well, it'll take them a few months to reach uh, Canaan, the land that God had promised Abraham and his offspring about 600 years before this. So they're about three months into their journey. Um, like I said, God has delivered them out of slavery. We talked about last week. And then they come to the desert. And so I want to read to you Exodus chapter 19, verses four through six. And this is what it says. You yourselves have seen... What I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Um, we're going to come back to that later as well, because I think there's a really, like, that's a significant passage of Scripture. 
God is saying, do you remember what I just did for you? It's amazing as we read through the stories how God's people, God will do something incredible and he will, he will come down from this upper story and do something incredible in the lives of the people down here. And yet so soon they forget. He's saying, don't forget I set you free from slavery. And don't you forget the great power that you saw. And then he's saying, follow me and I will make you my great treasured possession. The bottom line is God wanted to to come down and have relationship with us. We saw this in the Garden of Eden, and uh, we saw where it went wrong. We talked about that a little bit in week one, how sin changed everything and separated um, us from our relationship with God, but God wants to overcome it, and uh, and he wants, this is his attempt to, again, to come down and have relationship. Now, let's, let's pause for a second. In fact, I want to talk to you off the record, if, if that's such a thing. Um, probably not. But I, I want to share with you kind of um, some perspective. Sometimes the Bible stories throughout the Old Testament, they leave us, if, if we're honest, they leave us asking questions about God's character. Questions like, why would a God do that? Or why would God allow that? And with limited time, that would be a whole sermon or three um, for me to talk about today. But here's what I want you to know. If you've got questions and you're reading through this story, don't you hesitate to ask. Ask your campus pastor. That's why we are here. And uh, in fact, we're thinking about doing some discussion groups coming up, maybe at the end of each of these series that would allow us, for some of you who want to engage and ask questions, that would allow us to do so. Um, we did that for a series a while, a while back called Explore God, and, we, and it, was, it was a good thing. Now, on a personal note, this is what I would say. There are still times, as the lead pastor of Crossbridge, there are still times when I'm reading Old Testament stories, and I think, what in the world is that? I think, why, like, like, why is that in there? Or what, like, why would God do that? I'm just going to be honest. I, I still have questions at times. But here's what I want you to think about, and here's one of the things I do that might help you. That when I read the Old Testament, um, keep in mind, I know what it says in the New Testament. So when I read back here, I know what it says back here. And as, as you keep coming to Crossbridge, we're going to get to that. But, but that being said, I read, in fact, think of it like glasses, right? I read the Old Testament through the lens of looking through Jesus. In fact, there, there was a quote um, by James Bryan Smith, and this is what it says. Jesus revealed his father to us. The New Testament reveals a God who is pulsing with goodness and power and love and beauty. Now, now catch this part. To know the God of Jesus is to know the truth about who God really is. It's, it's this idea that as we look through these words and we think of them in context of Jesus, that we're always pointed forward. We're always saying, what does this show us about Jesus? And, and truthfully, there's times where um, that's, that's like, as I'm reading a story, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm paying attention to. Now, let's, that's a very, um, I realize it's a very, very short answer to a very, very large question, or maybe some questions you're having. But again, feel free to seek us out. Back to the story, God instructs Moses to go up on the mountain and he's going to inform Moses of what needs to happen for this relationship as he comes down for this relationship to happen again, right? For it to take place. 
And, and here's some things that, that we know, even from looking at the Ten Commandments, that there needs to be guidelines. This is what God is saying. There needs to be guidelines on how you treat me, and there also needs to be guidelines for how you treat each other. That if we're going to do this and we're going to have a relationship, there needs to be some ground rules for how this relationship works with him and how this relationship works with each other. God wants his community of people to be different. In fact, the first four commandments, um, if you were just to read through those 10, and we, we saw them in the video, but the first four deal with our relationship with God. In, in fact, um, there are things like, you shall have no other gods but me. Um, you know, the question is, what has become uh, a God in our lives, right? What has become bigger than him? Uh, you shall not make for yourself any idol or bow down or worship it. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, and you shall remember and keep the Sabbath day holy. Whew, that, that one is even hard, right? In our world, fast-paced culture we live, that he still wants us to take a day and rest. And in the last six commandments, they deal with relationships with others. Things like respect your father and mother. In fact, um, teenagers, hear that one again. Respect your father and mother. For, you, for your parents, I'm going to say it one more time. Respect your father and mother, right? That's not from me, that's from God. Now, think about this. You must not commit murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not give false evidence against your neighbor. So many times our tongues get us in trouble. And then this one, you must not be envious of your neighbor's goods. You should not be envious of his house, nor his wife, nor anything that belongs to your neighbor. So when, when you're looking across the yard and you see your neighbor with that big zero turn, right? You just have to say, oh, I'm thankful he has that and, um, and not covet that, right? And, and then here's what I want you to think about. So that's the first piece of this. I, I think what, what God is trying to say to us, right? There's, there's rules and there's ways in which I want these relationships to play out. So relationship with God, relationship with others. Now, the other thing that happens, and I'm, I, there's no way I can cover all the details of this story. So I'm going to hit really the high points and you can read about it. But the other thing that I think God is saying is, um, I'm coming down and I need a place to stay. It's interesting, in Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9, this is, this is what he says. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. And he goes on to describe what that needs to look like. From that time on, God's presence will dwell in the tabernacle. Picture this for me, um, that if you've got all these folks like camped out here, that there's a tent maybe in the middle, and a portable tent, and this, like right in the camp of Israel, this is where God lives. That God was there. Now, now also keep in mind, they couldn't just like walk in the tent and hang out, right? They couldn't meet with him directly. In fact, there was a room in the tabernacle that was the most holy place where God resided, and only the priest could enter it, and he could only enter one time a year, and God's presence was with them. Um, So you got this picture, right? You got, you got the picture of God saying, hey, I want your relationships to be good with me, with others. Um, I'm, I'm coming down to live there, so make a place for me. And, and in the third, um, which just is a really big concept, but sin must be atoned for. That if, if I'm going to come and be a part of you, we've still got this the sin thing that separates us from each other. So this official sacrificial system was put in place. In order for God's presence to be among the people, their sins must be covered. And this time, this was done. I, I know this is really weird. 
um, for many of you maybe who don't have much background in the church, it was done by animal sacrifice from an animal without defect, like without blemish. Um, And so you had a lot of animals being sacrificed back then on behalf um, of, of people desiring this relationship with God. Now, let's dive back into the story. When Moses comes down, he's been up on the mountain for 40 days and he's been listening and gathering instruction from God and he discovers that, I mean, it's just been 40 days, right? But he discovers that the people like have went off the rails. In fact, um, they, they already, they, they took the first two commandments and like just blew them up. They, they, they had constructed, if you could picture this with me, this, this cow, uh, this cow made out of gold and they were worshiping it. And, and Moses, he throws a gasket. In, in fact, he deals with the people who instructed the people to build this thing. And then he goes on to tear this calf up in hundreds of pieces. And, and then what you have is Moses knows that God has to be so disappointed with this. And this whole plan that seems to be coming together, he's thinking, oh, my people already blew it, right? So he goes to God and he pleads on behalf of the people. Listen to Exodus 33. The Lord replied, after Moses has intervened, and Moses has said, hey, I'm intervening on behalf of the people. This is what the Lord says. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you, and I know you by name. To me, this is, um, this is a big clue that, like, um, that Moses, like, he gets it, right? That, that he gets it. In fact, what he's saying is, God, more than anything else, what I need, the, the distinguishing factor for us as your people, the distinguishing factor for me as, as the leader, which you've called me to be, is your presence, it's, it's the fact that others can see that we have a relationship. It's the fact that others can see that you are present with us. Now, here's, here's the big deal, right? Um, that God continues to choose to pursue and to dwell among his people. In fact, there's a, there's a quote from the story that says this, and this new nation was to be different so that the entire world would know and worship the one true God, the very source of life life and hope. You know, I think God wants the same thing for us today, to come down and to do life with us. Even when we continue to struggle and make a mess of things in the lower everyday kind of story living. This again um, is my lens of, you know, looking through Jesus and interpreting this story. and, and here's, here's what I want you to see. Let's go back and look at the things that I talked about. There has to be guidelines of how we treat God and how we treat each other. When Jesus gets left out of our relationships, here's what I've noticed. Personally, this is what I've noticed. When Jesus gets left out of my relationships, I default to selfish mode. I default to like it is all about me and it's all about self-preservation it's all about uh making sure that my bases are covered right i um and and i've noticed this in fact 
you know, if, if you have a kid or you have a teenager, you see this. Like, in fact, um, I, I notice it in my own kids. And this, this past week, I was sitting with Gerald and um, I took him out for dinner um, one night after school. And we were eating dinner and we were at a hot dog stand up in Yorkville. And we both got these uh, cheese dogs, jumbo cheese dogs with fries. And so, man, we are throwing those cheese dogs down and we are eating those fries. And and when everything is done, Gerald says, hey, are you ready? And I said, yeah, I'm ready. And so he gets up and he proceeds to leave me all the trash to clean up. And so I, I looked at him and I said, hey, Gerald, like, hey, buddy. Like, and I pointed to the stuff. And I think he was having a bad day. You know, we all do, right? Um, I, I think there was a moment where like he just didn't check himself before he talked. And, and he said to me, he said, well, dad, you have two hands. Now, the moment he said that, um, I wanted to yank that hot dog back out of his throat. Um, I couldn't believe he said it. In fact, for a minute, I just kind of stared at him. And then I said, um, buddy, I, I, I'm not sure why you said that, but you need to get over here and you need to grab this trash. And, and then on the way home, we had a long talk. Um, and, and I'll tell you, like my perspective is this, that when I, as I watch my son who's 15 getting ready to turn 16, um, it seems like we're in a place right now where he, he thinks a lot about himself. And, and, and I tend to go, oh, he's a teenager and he thinks about himself and someday he'll get over it. And then I look at my 44-year-old self and I think there's times when I think way too much about myself and I'm not yet over it either. I think that is our default that we continue to get drawn back to. Like it, it is just like a magnet. And the one thing that I believe changes that is when we are in relationship with Jesus. In fact, when I think about the Ten Commandments and I think about the focus of God saying, hey, these, you know, this is what I want. I want you to have a good relationship with me and the guidelines to follow that. And I want you to have good relationships with others. Here, here's what I would say, and I mean this. A relationship with God will only make you better. A relationship with God will change how you do life down here in the lower story for the better. Um, I think about small groups, and, and we're talking about this week. In fact, this is, this is the week. Like, man, start signing up. And, and the deal is, we need to practice relationships. We need each other, and we need to be focused on someone else. Like, we weren't meant to do life alone. We were meant to do life in community with one another because it's the place that we practice the Jesus kinds of things. These, these kinds of things, even that we find in, in the Ten Commandments. Let's move on um, to the second piece I talked about. He's going to need a place to stay. That he was saying, I'm coming and I need a place to stay. Now, let's, let's fast forward. Let's think about that in our lives. My guess is that he's not looking for you to pop a tent up in your front yard and then for you to, you know, go out and stand outside of it and recognize, like, that's where he, like, wants to reside and his presence is out in your yard. Um, that, that's in the Old Testament, right? But let's fast forward to the new. Again, looking through the light of Jesus. Jesus came and Jesus left. And when he left, he said, the Holy Spirit will come and he will live within you. First Corinthians says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? I love that passage. I also love John 14 that says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and he will come to them and make our home with them. It's this idea that, listen, you don't need a tent in your yard, 
Because what the New Testament tells us, you know, they were practicing it back here, that God was coming to make his presence with them. But then what you have is, as God continues to pursue his people, we discover in the New Testament, which we still practice today, is that God comes to take residence, not in a tent, but inside of us. In fact, um, one of the things about Rachel and I is we love to host people. We've, we've got a couple guest rooms, and we love to host people. And, and in the midst of that, here's what we do. We always leave them ready, always. So we, the bathroom, we try to keep it clean. We try to keep clean sheets on the bed. We have towels down there ready to go. So if someone shows up, you know, and they spend the night and they need a shower. And, and I think about it, right? Like there's something about recognizing that your house is not your own. I, we've always looked at it that way. Our house is not our own. And our house is available to other people if they need it. I, I think the same kind of picture spiritually would be that we're not just our own. This isn't just for us. That God takes residence in us and that we're available for his use. And that we would keep things clean and up to date with him in regards to our relationship. In a sense, think about it. The sheets are always ready, right? That, that we are always that we are always finding and and expressing ourselves to say, God, hey, man, this is your house and you are welcome. Do what you need to inside of me. That we're always open to this relationship. And then I was thinking about the sin must be atoned for. We're, you know, listen, there's no time planned here soon where Crossbridge is going to have a lamb sacrificing party. Um, We're not cutting up lambs, dogs, or neighbors' cats. We're not doing any of that stuff. Um, I don't care how perfect they are. That system was in the Old Testament. When you look through Jesus and you look through the New Testament, here's what you have. That God sent his son and he called him an unblemished lamb of God. And really this unblemished lamb of God, Jesus, laid down his life and bled for the sake of our sins so that we could have relationship with him. What distinguishes us from all other people? It's not just that we show up at a church. It's not that even what we call ourselves. What distinguishes us as Christian people is his presence that lives within us. And and here's the final thing I want you to think about. It's right where we started. These Ten Commandments, they're not about God exercising authority. It's not about him being the cosmic judge who is looking down, ready to strike lightning the moment that you get one of these wrong. In fact, I think many of us have a very distorted view of God that just isn't accurate. If you look at this picture, what we've painted today, it's this. God wants you to have a great relationship with him. That God wants you to have incredible relationships with each other. So he gives you guidelines to live within. And then these, these laws, this code to live by. Here, here's what I think God knew. I think he knew we were always going to struggle with it. I think he knew we were always going to be shooting at it, but we were always going to be falling short in it. And, um, and I think he set these up so that we would also recognize in the midst of attempting to live the way he wants us to live, that, that we wouldn't be able to do it on our own, that we would need him and that we would need his presence in our lives. We would need his help. We would need his grace. We would need his strength. We would need his power in the midst of weakness. That the ways in which this was designed to be lived out would only happen if he was taking presence, like residence in us with his presence to help us to be the people he's called us to be. See, God wants to live in his people. I'm convinced of this. 
that I think for many of us, when we think about the Old Testament, we think about the Ten Commandments, even when we think about God, that sometimes we make it about so many other things than what it really is. That what God wants, and you will see it over and over and over as we talk through this story, is that God wants to come to be with his people. That he wants to establish relationship. That he wants to be with us when we get it right and when we get it wrong. And my encouragement to you would be to to do your best, try to let God rewrite sometimes a messed up story or a messed up picture that we have of God. That nothing else, nothing else compares to his presence in your life. And that is what it's all about. Listen to this passage again, Exodus 19. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. And how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Father, I thank you. Thank you for the Ten Commandments. And I thank you for what you were saying to us in the midst of them. That you were helping us to see um, what you desired for us in our relationship with you what you desired for us in our relationships with each other, that you desired for us to be in relationship with you and that you knew all along, like, we need you. I think sometimes, God, you just want us to admit it. You want us to cry out and you want us to ask for your presence, recognizing it is you. It is you that matters and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen.